Hello, Hierarch. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with the season of Advent and various readings in Scripture. And just as a reminder, the season of Advent is about preparing for the coming of the Lord. Uh, historically, that has been a little bit more focused on the second coming of the Lord, but also, especially more in recent years, it's uh, taken on a focus of Christmas, the first coming of our Lord. And so today we are in Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. And Taylor, if you'd read that for us, that would be wonderful. Yeah, let's read the word of the Lord together. Now listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to a tenant farmer, to tenant farmer, excuse me, and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, what do you think he will do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, he will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked them, didn't you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. And it is wonderful to see. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone it falls on. When the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized he was telling the story about them. And they were the wicked farmers. They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowds who considered Jesus to be a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to God. be to God. Well, Jesus uh, was not really good at PR sometimes. He just uh, <laughs> really upset the uh, the wrong people, if you consider the wrong people being the people in power. Uh, you know, the background of this story, Jesus often pulled um, stories from a uh, background that people would understand in their context. And the background of the story, like, you know, we're familiar with some of this, the idea that, you know, if you rent or lease something, the idea is that you pay a price for the use of something that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to someone else. In this case, rather than paying a rent um, with money, the tenant farmers would pay by giving a share of the harvest to the owner. Uh, but this story goes further than a typical uh, rental arrangement or a tenant arrangement. I mean, normally you'd think that uh, workers would be doing all the work and the owner would just be sitting back enjoying the fruit of someone else's labor. But when you see the setup of this story, and this is something I hadn't really noticed before, but looking at the setup of the story, most of the work has already been done by the owner. 
I mean, if you look at verse 33, the, the owner plants the vineyard, he, he builds a protective wall around the vineyard, he, he digs a pit for the pressing of the grape juice, and he builds a lookout tower, which would serve a number of purposes, including uh, being able to help them watch for the weather and predators and things like that. So literally everything has been set up for the tenant farmer's success by the landowner. The landowner's already done all this work. And so when the landowner and the servant sends his servants to collect the share, the farmers have to decide what they're going to do. And, and rather than give a portion of the harvest, they decide to kill uh, first one servant then multiple servants. And, uh, you know, obviously these are supposed to be uh, the prophets that God sends to the people, the prophets who were killed by the people. But as we look at these tenant farmers, I guess I had just always assumed that the reason why they they killed the uh, servants was simply because they got greedy and they wanted to keep a uh, keep the entire crop rather than just their share of the crop. And that certainly is a possibility. That's how I've, I've always read it up to this point. But as I was reading through it this time, I recognized that it, it doesn't actually tell us why they decide to kill uh, the servant when he comes. And another possibility would be that perhaps they had uh, been really lazy and not done any work and there was little or no harvest and they realized that the, the, the owner would see this and say, well, you guys are done, would kick those people off the property and rent it to someone else who was more faithful in the future. Uh, we're just not given an answer. And so we're left with our imaginations to wonder what was their reasoning. In any case, uh, they kill the servants and then they decide to even kill the son. And, and Jesus tells this story as an illustration of our relationship with God. I mean, it's more specifically directed to the Pharisees and religious leaders who are kind of uh, uh, farming Israel in essence, like Israel is the uh, vineyard. Um, but I think it applies to any of us because we have all been given something by God where God has already created it. God has already done all the setup and has put it in our care as, as stewards, as tenant farmers, uh, and and we are to return a share of what we produce, what we receive from what God has given us uh, back to God. Uh, like like in this story, God owns it all, and and God has already set us up for success. The, and the only kind of success really that God is looking for is is faithfulness in this regard. So if Advent is a time of looking for the uh, return of our Lord, the, the coming of the King, I think this parable really is um, one particular way to really look at that, this idea like, are we truly prepared for the coming of our King? Uh, do we see our lives as, as, a, as a, a tribute and offering? Do we see that what we have and all that we are has been given to us by God and, and we mm -hmm you know, rightfully out of gratitude should lovingly give a share of what, what we have produced with our lives back to God. Um, or maybe perhaps we've gotten greedy, like perhaps the owner, the, the farmers did, or, or maybe we've not done much with our lives. And, and we're thinking that, you know, we're, we're concerned that the, uh, the landowner is going to be very upset with us because of what we, not what we have done, but rather what we haven't done with all that mm -hmm. has been given to us. But, you know, there's this realization that whether it's a, a tenant farmer situation or even just our own lives, if we think that we own what we have, we have to remember that we are only on this on this earth for a short amount of time. Like we're we're, we're tenants here, regardless mm -hmm. of what we might think of ourselves. And and it all goes back to God in the end. And so mm -hmm. are we willing to give that as 
something that is going to be the loss when we die, or are we willing to give it back to God as as a loving uh, form of, of worship? And of course, that's the invitation in Advent is to to return to God uh, or to to receive God in such a way that we don't fear when the Lord returns, but rather look forward to it because we have so much that we want to give back to God and say, "Look what I did! What you gave! To Look what I have done!" with what you gave to me. And I'm so thankful that you gave me this chance. Uh, Taylor, I'm wondering what you see in this uh, passage, and especially as we think about Advent. Yeah, well, I agree with everything you've said. And I really, you know, I think of Advent as sort of training us to, to anticipate the kingdom and to reorient our lives in ways that reflect the truth of the coming of, of, of this kind of now, but yet not yet kingdom, this sort of split reality. And so uh, I, I agree this parable is great for Advent. And I, I, I think about um, our, our response to correction or to a moment of judgment. Um, you know, there's a particular story that comes to mind. Uh, years ago, I worked with someone who she had gone through, a, several years prior to my meeting her, she'd gone through a really, really difficult divorce. Uh, her husband was a prominent, somewhat public figure, and he had been unfaithful to her and left her and just like, and never really repented, never really acknowledged what he had done. And she was just sort of left to pick up the pieces. And I remember having a conversation with her once where she, where she was kind of talking about some of the grief and the anger that she processed and how she was processing that with God. And she said that she had come to understand that at some point there would be justice for this. And that justice she thought would look like at the end of things when, when, when they were all facing the resurrection, that her husband would know the depth of the pain she had caused her, that that, that would be God's justice to say that he, he would fully know what had been done wrong, that he seemed unaware of and couldn't repent for in this moment. And so wh why the story comes to mind is I think that there are moments where in our lives where we are given a gift, where we are confronted with our sin now, where the king, that kind of now and not yet, reality of the kingdom where that tug of war tips a little more into the now and we get the, the not yet kingdom breaks through and we get to see a glimpse of where we need to repent. And so the Pharisees and the religious leaders reaction, well, I resonate with it because I don't often take correction and think, oh, yay. <laughs> like, so wonderful to know all these things I've done wrong. But I think of the proverb, the exact reference is, um, escaping me at the moment, but about, about how a fool scorns correction, but a wise person is grateful for it. And, and so when I think about how this inter intersects with, with Advent, I think about this invitation and this reminder that the kingdom will come into full fruition. This, this world as we know it will not continue to exist forever. All things will be made new and there will be a moment of accountability. And, you know, Jesus is coming back. And so to your point of, you know, how, how are we approaching that? Are, are we ready for that with joy-filled hearts of look at all we have done? Uh, we're so glad you're here, Jesus. You know, yes, please come, Lord, come. Or is it like, you know, or, or are we asleep at the wheel and, 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 and not even aware of the depths of the ways we've strayed? And, and this is where I think Advent is so helpful. It's this annual reminder and this invitation for us to reset, to look inwards, to allow, to invite Jesus to search us and say, you know, Jesus, I don't know if I am ready. Like, do you have a difficult word for me? Am I, am I willing to receive it? And that's a gift. 
to, to have Jesus convict us because otherwise what's the alternative? We get to the finish line unprepared and unready. And, and then what? That's, that's not a reality I want to face. And so um, I look at the, the Pharisees and uh, I would, you know, the cynical me would say, oh, how foolish are they? You know, they, they got angry rather than repented. But I mean, just all, in all honesty, like I just see myself in them. And so um, in this season of Advent and in this text, I, I see an invitation to say, okay, good time to take stock of my life listen to Jesus, experience that conviction and not run from it, but turn into it and be grateful that the same God who convicts is the same God who died on the cross for us so that we could experience grace and forgiveness of sins, uh, but doesn't condemn us, but invites us into new life every day. And so um, I love this text. I love Advent and it's convicting for me to, uh, yeah, to receive correction with a spirit of humility. I, I, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm reminded of, as you talk about that, I'm reminded of my dad who would, um, he would uh, almost always respond when you tried to correct him. He would always respond by saying, uh, thank you for showing, I'm show, thank you for showing me I'm wrong. Now I'm one step closer to right. And <laughs> depending on your spirit, it could make you feel like, oh, that's, that's great. Wonderful. Or it could just make you really mad. Like if you're, if you're correcting someone just to get back at them, it just would make you it would just expose how uh, how your motives were bad by how angry you would get. But I, I think, uh, you know, I, I say it now kind of with a smile on, on my face, recognizing it really is an attitude that makes you if you really can embrace it, makes you immune to the negative effects of criticism. You either get benefit from it or it reflects back on the other person who's in, mm -hmm. uh, intending harm with it. Uh, in any case, uh, Taylor, uh, thanks for being here. And I'm wondering if you could uh, close us in prayer with some of these thoughts. Yeah, I'd love to. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to anticipate your coming kingdom with joy and with eager hearts. For the areas in our life that require correction and conviction, we ask that you would speak clearly to us and that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive so that we might walk as you call us to walk, as beloved sons and daughters, as a beautiful witness to your love and your grace, both in our lives and for the whole world, so that we might know the truth of your gospel and rejoice in the good news. All this we pray with hopeful hearts. Amen. Amen. Well, Taylor, thanks for being with us today. And everyone, thank you for joining us. I hope that you uh, can be filled with a sense of gratitude for all that God has given you. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.